Welcome, Bulldog basketball fans, to the Drake Basketball Podcast. Today, we're going to be reliving Drake's explosive victory over former Valley frontrunner, the Indiana State Sycamores. Eduardo, who could have seen this coming? The Drake Basketball Podcast was all over it. Uh, truly a, a night and day performance to just four days ago in Nashville to then come back in Des Moines and play a, a really complete game against a really good team. Yeah, I mean, I had heard on, you know, the interwebs that Drake was done this year, that the season was over, and uh, the answer to that is no. Yeah, I think our demise was greatly exaggerated. Just had a really bad game at Belmont, uh, but you know, really big game Wednesday. Uh, Drake obviously taking the win, 89-78. The magical 80-point mark, I believe that puts us at 61-1 and in the Darren DeBreeze era when we hit 80 points. Uh, so that's always the number. So walk us through it. Let's start with the first half. You know, what was your first half impressions coming in the heels of a horrible loss? You know, what were your thoughts? Yeah, so obviously coming out of this game, people are going to be talking about Tucker DeVries and with good reason. He was a superstar. He was showing everybody exactly why he was the Valley's preseason player of the year. By far the best player on the court. He finished the game with 29 points, 6 of 10 from 3 to go along with 6 rebounds, 4 assists, and only a single turnover. But especially in the first half, Darnell Brody was the difference maker for me. Whatever spark he was lacking against Belmont was definitely there last night. I mean, he was an absolute monster in the first half. He scored 13 points while pulling down four rebounds. But the biggest thing that he did was take Sycamore star Robbie Avila out of the game. From the opening tip, you could very clearly see what Darren DeVries' game plan was. While Indiana State may have had that shooting advantage on the perimeter against Brody, he said, We've got size and you're not going to be able to bang with him inside. So we're going to get it into the post and either make you foul, double team, or give us two points. And ultimately the Sycamores did all three because they started out with Avila guarding him straight up. So we got the ball to Brody. He went to work and immediately drew, drew two early fouls. So then their star player is sitting on the bench for most of the first half. And so Darnell got to work against the 6'6 backup, Xavier Bledson, who's really not a true big man, obviously at 6'6". So he continued to score inside, and at one point, Josh Schertz got so desperate, he put in rarely used backup Derek Borst, who I think ended up only clocking two minutes, but he was just trying to throw the kitchen sink at Brody inside, doing anything he could to stop him, but yeah, watching this, it just completely changed the tenor of the game from the start. Yeah, well, we talked about Brody's performance against Belmont, so we obviously we need to give him credit for bouncing back and having a, a really strong performance for Drake. He did a good job on on Robbie defensively. Of course, Avalos is a really good player. You know, he still got his points. Uh, he still got his looks at three, but I just felt like his energy was a lot better overall. And I don't know, I kind of think, and, and we can touch on Indiana State, I think Josh Schertz had a, had a pretty bad game, actually. I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but I want to touch on when Drake was down seven points in the second half and they weren't really getting anything on offense. For some reason, they decided to go into a zone. And that was <laughs> the 7-0 stretch that Adam Wright had to tie the game. So I was perplexed by that. And then at the same time, like later on in the second half, 
like Drake really wasn't feeding Brody all that much anymore. And then when they started started to do it, they were just sending like really hard aggressive doubles at Brody. And he was just kicking it back out and getting like wide open three. So I think they'll look back on on the tape and they'll realize they just made some questionable decisions defensively. And you also mentioned Tucker DeBreeze, you know, 29 points. I think four of those were wide open. So they're going to be kicking themselves again when they look at the tape of like, how did we leave Tucker DeBreeze wide open so many times? Who knew about Tucker DeBreeze coming into this game? You know, like he's a rarely used bench player. Uh, Coach's son, I think, is the main reason he's on the team. But yeah, who could have known that he would go off for 29 points like that? It's not like he was the preseason player of the year. He's kind of done this on on a few games already this year. I think we were probably, what, 12 minutes into the game. He hadn't scored, really hadn't gotten into a flow. He hit one contested three uh, that actually should have been a foul. And then after that, he got like two wide open looks. And at that point, now he's in a rhythm. You know, he hit four threes pretty much in like a four minute stretch to give Drake a little cushion in the first half. And after that, he was cooking. He was comfortable uh, and he was in the rhythm. So I felt like that was a little bit self-imposed on Indiana State's front. Yeah, it's interesting because I've noticed the same thing that sometimes it seems like Tucker has his best games when the rest of the team gets into it first. Like when you get Brody who starts getting going on offense or, you know, Overton knocks down a few threes early, but like he sort of waits a little bit and it's almost like the other team forgets about him a little bit. They're like, okay, well, yeah, he's not doing much this game. And then all of a sudden he has 30. And maybe that's just Coach DeBreeze being a mastermind. But, you know, here you have Indiana State, like, all right, how are we going to stop Brody? You know, doubles, zone, let's do this, let's do that. <laughs> Meanwhile, Tucker is just, you know, quietly putting 30 on them. So so you could definitely make a point about that. But, you know, you mentioned Brody, and I know we were messaging back and forth. I think you said he's one of those players that when he's involved on offense, just plays a lot better defensively, right? Yeah, it amplifies every other aspect of his game because it's like he gets that energy when he scores and then that continues throughout everything that he does. And I think one area that you could really see it in the first half was on his closeouts when he was guarding Avila. He closed out really hard and Darnell doesn't really have the foot speed to be a perimeter defender. So Mm -hmm. he has to give it 100% if he's going to stay in front and like, there was one play in particular. It was one of the first times that Avila had the ball. Uh, he got it out there, and Brody jumped at it, which he probably shouldn't be, but at least he was getting there to get a hand up. And Avila tried to drive instead, and Brody just sprinted back to stay in position. And instead of getting you know, a layup or an open look, he was able to stay with him, so Avila had to kick to another defended player, and the possession went on rather than resulting in an open look. So, yeah, I mean, dude, all credit to Brody. After struggling with a perimeter-oriented big man against Belmont, he knocked it out of the park. Let's go to the stats, because again, Robbie is the head of the snake for Indiana State, and he ended with 17 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists. Brody, on the other hand, finished with 15 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists. So again, basically played him to a draw, and I felt like he was very impactful with everything that drake was doing so if you can get that out of brody essentially to neutralize their best player that's ball game right 
Yeah, I mean, and he played him to a draw from a points perspective, but he also removed him from the vast majority of the first half and ended up fouling out with five minutes left. So it's like he spared Dre from having to worry about him so much more. That's right, because he ended up playing just 24 minutes. Robbie did, obviously fouling out. It's definitely a point of concern for Indiana State. I mean, I think this is a trend now for Robbie that he tends to get in foul trouble. And a lot of those fouls were just dumb, which I'm sure that's something that the coaching staff will be telling him just being late on stuff. Or, you know, there was that and one with Tucker where he could have tried to take the charge, but then he kind of decided not to at the last second. And instead, Tucker just gets a layup and a foul. Avila is just a sophomore. So, I mean, that's just stuff that I'm sure he'll just continue to get better at. Um, Yeah. And I know I know Indiana State fans were very upset with that call, but he definitely threw his hip out and you can see Tucker's body get knocked sideways in midair. So I don't really I know it's frustrating because he has his hands vertical, but the body definitely caught Tucker on the hip and knocked him over. Oh, yeah, it was definitely a foul. I mean, it was a dumb foul because, like I said, he was going to take the charge, but then he realized, like, no, I'm kind of late. And then at that point, he kind of, like, sticks out his hip a little bit, and then it's just a layup. So It reminded me of, uh, oh, shoot, who was it? Missouri State player, Arch Madness. Tucker gets free throws at the buzzer to win it. Yeah, it was their guard. Isaiah Mosley. Yeah, just tried to lean into it almost when he was trying to take a charge. Yeah. But sorry, I interrupted you. You had a train of thought that you were pursuing. <laughs> I had a train of thought that I was pursuing. No, I was. I just want to talk a little bit about the first half, too. I mean, Drake goes into the half tied up. I felt like they played a pretty good half. And one, one thing that stood out to me, I thought they were doing a really good job of cutting Indiana State's drives because I believe they had three turnovers in the first half of the stop your dribble, then pivot. Okay, I'm now I'm trying to do something else. Variety, which again is kind of rare to see in college basketball because again, they were just kind of getting too quick and then, oh wait, they're actually there, pick up their dribble. Now they're trying to pivot, you know, turnover. So really good from that standpoint. I also thought Adam Wright, he was engaged from the beginning, looking for a shot, finished with 17 points, uh, including that key stretch that I mentioned in in the second half. And even though Connor ended up with uh, just three points and three assists, I thought his energy and his intensity was, again, a lot more elevated than than what it was on Sunday against Belmont. Dude, I can't say enough about the defense that Connor played on Isaiah Swope because he's their leading scorer. He comes in averaging 19 points a game. And Connor, along with some help from Colby and company, held him to 12, going one from six from three while forcing him into three turnovers, which is the same number of turnovers as the entire Drake team had. So after giving the ball away like it was going out of style in Nashville, a Darren DeVries team uh, submits, I think, the lowest turnover game of the season. <laughs> Who could have predicted? Um, <laughs> yeah, so the second half, that's when Drake really pulled away. I mentioned Indiana State being up seven. Then Adam Wright goes on his little run. And then it just kind of, it was like a slow snowball effect, I would say, with Tucker getting a couple looks, Kevin Overton hitting some key three-pointers. I thought Drake did a good job of baiting Indiana State to try to hit those back cuts that they love to do. Because it was kind of like they were giving them enough space for the lane to be there. But then as soon as that pass was coming, everyone had active hands during that stretch because drake went on a 21 to 7 run to open up that 17 point lead and in that stretch i think they had three or four steals just trying to make a really precise bounce pass to the cut 
and Drake's just there first, and now you're off to the races, you're in transition, you're getting good looks. That's the mark of what a great coach Darren DeVries is, too, because it's not just being in position. It's the fact that they know Indiana State's offense well enough to know the spots that they like to look for those in, because against a lot of teams, guard may be in position against that back cutter, but because they aren't necessarily looking for it, the passer can still sneak that pass in there. But Drake was there, and the entire time they had their eye on the ball, they're like, all right, Avila is going to try to sneak in a bounce pass here for a quick two. And instead of that getting through, they knocked it away, and it's Drake heading off down the other way. Yeah, they were expecting it. They were kind of baiting Indiana State. You know, you mentioned Drake only having three turnovers. Indiana State had 15. Um, so, again, just 12 extra possessions in, in a game against a quality opponent like Indiana State is going to be a huge difference maker. And then you look at the three-point line. You know, Indiana State – they weren't that far off from their averages. So from that standpoint, it's it, it wasn't like an abhorrent shooting night. You know, they were an 11 of 30. Probably by their season average, they would have fit 12 or 13 of, the, of those 30. So really, it was only Isaiah Swope that wasn't able to get going. Everyone else, you know, kind of shot their average. You know what I mean? Yeah, and they went off from three in the first half. Ryan Conwell... It was like I think three or four at one point, and at halftime they might have had nine. Does that sound right to you? Yeah. So I mean, yeah, Drake did a great job in the second half. It was really just that first half they were making everything from behind the arc there for a while. Like it was a heavyweight bout. We would start to go on a run, and instead they'd hit a barrage of threes. But credit to our defense for locking down in the second half. Yeah, and and obviously Indiana State is a really good three-point shooting team. And they like to play fast. But I, I did feel like, especially in the second half, there were some shots there that they're probably not great shots, right? But that's kind of how, how they play. You know, try to have quicker possessions. If you see an open look, you take it. And that's their style of basketball. But when you go cold, you know, three, four possessions and the other team has momentum, then it kind of starts playing against you. Yeah, especially on the road. Any Anything else that stood at, out to you in the second half? Oh, no, I did just want to comment on the fact I was looking at the Indiana State message board a little bit, and most of the threads seemed to be complaining about how they got jobbed from an officiating standpoint, which I just thought was interesting since they did shoot more free throws than we attempted. <laughs> yeah, they did. 25 free throws. I mean, like Julian Larry shot 10 free throws. Like, what's up with that? Uh, how was he getting the calls to shoot 10 free throws? But much better. We talked on the last episode about Drake having huge free throw disparities and needing to do a better job of attacking the rim. I thought they did that. They ended up 19 for 21. So again, you can be four free throws shy of what the other team shoots, and that's that's a much better. I also want to say Kevin Overton. Nice to see him have a good game. When you take a step back and you look at the box score, I mean, such a complete game for Drake, right? You had Tucker DeBreeze with the 29 and Wright with 17. Overton gives you 16 points and three threes and then 15 from Brody. I mean, when you have those contributions, you're going to be in really good position to win a game. Yeah, absolutely. Because Overton was filling his role at this point to a T. He played great defense for the duration of the game. Last podcast, you were talking about how essential it was that he hit those pressure valve threes when we get deep in the paint kick he's in that corner and i think you said he went three for five from three this game which is great 
one of those was on one of the hard double teams that Josh Schertz was sending at Brody, and he just skipped past across the court and over to knock down a three, and that was at a pretty pivotal point in the second half. So great job by KO. Yeah, he had two of those on that big Drake run in the second half. He had that one skip pass from Brody that you just mentioned, and then there was another one that was kind of like a mad scramble with Tucker in the kind of by half court, and they just swing it to him in the corner, and he just and just lets it fly. Because again, with all the pressure that teams put on right Tucker, and in this game in particular on Brody. Like he just needs to be ready for when that ball swings to you, you're ready to shoot in the corner. And it's easier said than done because, again, you know, you're not really initiating the offense. You're not really having plays drawn up for you. It's like you got to be ready when the ball does find you and you got to hit them at a, at a good clip. And he did that last night. Absolutely. I was confused about one thing because at the 513 mark, Nate Ferguson scored on a really nifty little post move. And granted, it was only a 15-point lead, and there were still technically five minutes left in the game. But that gave us 81 points, so the game was over. And I was confused as to why the officials didn't call it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, Do I you mean, have any insights? No, I mean, I, you know officials and, and Drake don't tend to get along usually. So, I mean, that's, that, that's my only explanation, because at that point, we all knew the game was over, you know, once you hit the magical 80-point mark. Um. But yeah, I don't know. I think we've hit on all the key points, the highlights from this one. Yeah. So that puts Drake at 4-1 and one in the conference, tied with Indiana State. Feels good to kind of have order restored at the top. But now the Bulldogs go on the road again to travel to another team that is 4-1, Southern Illinois. Yeah, currently a five-way tie atop uh, the Valley standing. It's Murray State, Belmont, Southern Illinois, Indiana State, and Drake. Southern Illinois has won their last six games in a row, and that includes a win against the Belmont team that beat down on Drake last week. So this is going to be a challenge. This is going to be a very big challenge. It's a Saturday night game. I would imagine it's going to be a sold-out house watching Drake come to town. I don't know. What are your thoughts, Eduardo? It's a tough game. I mean, it's one thing that Drake fans have to understand is that we we really are getting everyone's best shot right now. Drake has been very successful the past five years, obviously won the conference championship last year, picked number one to win it this year, four and one in conference. So when you're when you're coming into town, like you're a quality win for them. So everyone wants to knock you down. And Southern Illinois Man, I mean, we've had some battles with Southern Illinois over the past few years that, you know, to me, they're they're kind of similar. We've had very similar battles to Missouri State in that they tend to be more grinded out, slow, low possession games, which I think is probably how it's going to play out. The one guy that you have to be on the lookout for is Xavier Johnson from Southern Illinois, who's currently leading the conference in scoring and is probably going to present all kinds of problems for Drake. Yeah. What gives me confidence in this game is that Southern Illinois, while being very talented and having one of the best players in America right now, like he's averaging 24.1 points a game, there's nothing Darren DeVries does better than game plan for teams who play straight up man defense and who feature a star scorer. He knows exactly how to orient your defense around stopping one guy who can get the job done. Like when we get into trouble is when role players start to go off 
in situations where you don't expect it. But I would assume he's probably going to give KO the defensive assignment on this with a lot of help. He's he's a guard, so it might be it might be Connor that starts out on him. Yeah. Let's see. How tall is he? He's six one. Like, so what do we think? Do we think that they're going to put Overton on him or try to do Connor? I think he's probably a little bit too strong for Connor. I think so too. I it he's one ninety. Yeah, I you know it might start out with Connor and then switch to Kevin Overton or they'll do a, a combination of both of them. I think the thing that stands out with Xavier Johnson, he made all MVC defensive team last year and he only averaged seven points a game. So it's kind of crazy that you know as a senior he's gone from being known for his defense and not really scoring to, hey, now this is your team. <laughs> you average like 24, 24 a game. It's kind of nuts. Yeah, I mean, that just shows you how stacked Southern Illinois teams have been the past couple of years on rosters that had Lance Jones, who's currently one of the best players on Purdue's team, and uh, Marcus Damask, who's probably Illinois' best player at the moment. Just a ridiculous amount of talent on those teams. It's a testament to how good the Valley is that they haven't won the conference. Right. They've been right there in terms of kind of knocking on the door of being a top four, top five team in the conference, but not trying to toot Drake's own horn, but it's been Drake that's gotten in the way, knocking them out of the conference tournament the last two years. So they haven't been able to beat Drake in the conference tournament. They did beat Drake uh, at home last year. But as you said, it's going to be a Saturday night game. Expect a packed house. ESPN 2. I mean, it'll be fun. Like I said, I, I'm expecting it to be kind of a more ugly, grinded out type game. But it, it really does all start and finish with Xavier Johnson. Yeah, so I'm excited to see the Bulldogs roll into the Banterra Center on Saturday and see if we can start to build some momentum off this huge Indiana State win. Yeah, and then after that, I think we have a little bit of an easier stretch. So really important to get an, another win. Yeah, and just for a point of reference, looking at some common opponents, they also did play SLU, and they beat them 101-62, to 62, which is just a huge outlier when you look at Brian Mullen's teams and the amount of points they usually put up. Because like typically they're a defense-oriented program. They're going to beat you by 10 or 20 if they're shooting really well, but not too much more than that, just because they don't play at a particularly quick pace. They're very much a grinded out style basketball club. So impressive to see them put up that number of points. We talked about, you know, in another podcast, they also did knock off Oklahoma State. So excited to see them in action. Yeah, and remember that game against St. Louis was right before Drake played St. Louis which is why it looked particularly bad when Drake was down, you know, 17 or whatever it was to St. Louis, because just four days before Southern Illinois was up 40 plus on them. So we're actually down 19 to St. Louis. There you go. So if you have the the 40 point win from Southern Illinois and then the 19 point deficit from us, that's almost a 60 point (laughs) differential between us and Southern Illinois. Yeah, it's a huge swing, but Southern Illinois and Drake, we've had some pretty good battles. It's been mostly ugly. It's mostly been ugly against Southern Illinois, but at the end of it, we tend to come out on top. So hopefully that'll be the case. Yeah, let's do it. Go dogs. Go dogs. 